Well, good morning. It's good to be with you guys. Welcome to summer officially. Um, if you're watching online or you're watching this later, we're so glad that you're joining with us as well. As the video said, and as I've probably said already at least once today, my name's Chris. I'm our executive pastor, and I can't wait to, to bring Galatians 3 to us today. Wasn't it so good to hear the whole chapter? I know that's a different rhythm for us as a church. It's not necessarily something we've, we've done all the time, reading a whole passage of Scripture, but it's powerful. The Word of God actually brings life, and I believe that every time we read it, there's life being released into you, even if it's a new thing for you. That's why it's good that we're doing this, it's, and it's great to be a part and to be able to, to bring a word from Galatians 3 this morning. Our pastors, J.D. and Liz, they send you their love this morning. They're not here this week. In fact, they're not going to be here the whole month. They're actually out on a family vacation for the month of June. They're going to be road tripping around the country, camping in different places, creating fun family memories. And I want to ask you to do something with me. And I want you to pray for them every day during the month of June. As they're out trying to build some family memories, just have a great time and also get their souls recharged, we want to pray for them as their church. They carry us, so we want to carry them in this season. In fact, let's just take a moment, and we're going to pray for them right now. God, we pray for J.D. and Liz. We pray for, for Kevin Tate, Ines, and Sophie. God, we pray that as they travel this month, that they would have incredible family memories, that these things that they do, the experiences that they have, would go with them for the rest of their life. And God, we pray that they would encounter your presence in every place that they go. They would encounter your goodness, and they would experience the joy of the Lord being poured out on them. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right, well, hey, we're going to dive into Galatians 3 today. And what we're going to see when we dive into Galatians 3, I'm going to go ahead and give you the sneak peek, is that Apostle, the Apostle Paul is describing for the people two types of relationships that they can lean into. Two types of relationships that, that they can possibly and potentially and actually are leaning into. See, relationships are born out of necessity. And what I mean by that is when we experience a need or we recognize that we have a need in our life, we turn to something or someone to try to meet that need in our life. For example... We have four kids, my wife, Christy, and I. She's right here on the front row. Um, we have four kids. When they were smaller, we had like four of them at home on a regular basis. Not this last year. They're bigger now. But when they were really little and they asked like 87 questions a minute that all begin with why, and they all needed her for everything, she recognized I have a need in my life for space away from children. And so she developed... She established a relationship with Target, and she would just go to Target after I got home from work and not buy anything, but just walk around without kids. See, there was a need that she had that had to get filled. See, that's what, relation, that's what needs are. When we have this need, we recognize, all right, I need something. I'm going to establish a relationship with someone or something to get that need met. We all do this. We all do it in different ways. Here's where we run into a problem. 
Not every relationship we establish is actually going to give us what we need. A few years back, in this same season of small kids, I recognized a need in my own life. I was trying to be an intentional dad, so I'm trying to engage with my kids. And so that alone, you know, creates a need in my life. But on top of that, I was also in a really challenging season in my work. It was very stressful. I was facing a number of situations I didn't know how to solve. I was facing circumstances and and trying to help people through those circumstances. It was just creating a lot of stress. It was actually creating a lot of anxiety and a lot of anxious thoughts in my life. On top of that, you know, we've got four young kids at home. I'm trying to help my wife get to Target so she can have some space. And, you know, those two things are going on. And I recognize this need going on in my life that I need, I need something to help recharge my batteries at the end of the day, because I, I feel like I'm giving everything I have and I'm at the end of the day, I got nothing left. And so I, I need something that's going to help me out. And so I decided that I was going to establish a relationship with a new show. You know, we don't just watch TV anymore. We establish relationships with shows. And you know it's true. You got shows that you watch that you're thinking about what's going to happen next. Those people, you know they're not real, but they feel real. They're like your friends. Sometimes you'd rather hang out with them than the real friends you have in your life. It's like real relationships to us. We have established something with them. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to establish a relationship with a new show. I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to break from my norm. Pretty much the only thing that I watch is soccer and like funny TV shows. I don't want to watch anything serious ever because I'm like, life is real and it's already serious enough. But this time I was like, you know what? I'm going to break with something. I've heard good things about this. I'm going to jump into a new action show. I'm going to jump into the show 24. I'm sure some of you have heard it. If you haven't, let me give you a synopsis for it based on the three episodes that I watched. It is a show about creating an impossible situation and having to solve it in an impossible amount of time and producing the most anxiety possible for the viewer in that window. So here I am. I'm stressed out in life. I'm trying to be a parent and I don't know if I'm doing a good job. Work is is crushing me. I'm coming home at the end of the every day feeling anxious and worn out and I decide to jump in and establish a relationship with a show that makes my, my heart rate explode and my blood pressure go through the roof and I am feeling all these anxious thoughts after any, any, all of the episodes. In fact, I can't sleep at night after I finish watching these shows. See, not all the relationships that we choose to establish based on the need that we feel that we feel actually do what we think they're going to do for us. Oftentimes, we will lean into something that actually creates a greater need within us than rather filling the need that we actually feel. That's where we get to Galatians chapter 3. In Galatians chapter 3, this is exactly what is going on. And what Paul is doing is he's, he's unpacking for the people that he's writing this letter to that what they're leaning into 
is the wrong relationship. The way they're going after getting their need met is not the right way to get their need met. See, we're, we're in Galatians 3. We're in week 3 of this. At this point in Galatians 1 and 2, maybe you've picked up on this, but what Paul is honestly doing is he's saying the same thing in a different way. He said the same thing in Galatians 1, 2, and now 3. He's just using different means to say it. He's driving at the same point. He's helping them see that there's one gospel, that we are saved from the penalty of our sin by faith in Jesus alone. Anything else other added to that or other than that is the wrong and false gospel. Paul's saying the same thing over and over in each chapter, driving the point deeper and deeper and deeper. Why? Why is Paul doing that? Why did the people need to hear the same message over and over? Why do we need to hear the same message over and over? What is going on? What's the context that makes a question like verse two of chapter three so important? Paul says, I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Why have you turned to a different gospel? Why are you leaning into the wrong relationship? See, what was happening then, I'm going to paint a picture of what was happening then because it'll help you understand how it impacts us today. Context matters. See, what Paul is doing is he's writing a letter to a people he knows. Galatia was a region. Paul had been there before. It's a region in the Middle East, what's now known as modern-day Turkey. Paul had been there before. You want to see the account of what he did there before? Read Acts 13 through 16. You'll see what Paul did in that region. But Paul had gone and planted these churches. He had established these churches based on the one true gospel. We are saved by faith in Jesus alone. And these churches had grown, but now they're going through something. See, this area that Paul had reached was not a predominantly Jewish area, but now there, is, there are a number of Jewish people in those churches as well as non-Jewish people. Why does that actually matter? Why does Paul have to reference Jew versus non-Jew in this? Because... The Jews have come and they've started to tell people that yes, it's faith in Jesus and it's the work of the law. Why? Why would they do that? That seems silly and foolish. Why would they do that? Well, let's understand who the Jewish people were. They were God's chosen people. For generations, they have lived set apart. For generations, they were the ones believing for the Messiah to come. For generations, they were the ones hoping for the reality that people are now living in. And in their mind, salvation was coming for the Jews. Even though the, the law and the prophets clearly point to salvation is coming for all people, 
We now see that. Sometimes when you're close to something, you miss it. So the Jews were expectant for the Messiah to come, for salvation to come, and and they're gonna be made right. Everything's gonna work out for them. And they've had this law that they've been tracking with, that they've been following with, that has set them apart and made them right. And they've been the ones who've been leaving all these things. And now that the Messiah has come, he hasn't just come for them, he's come for all people. And those all people get to be made right with God. They get to be righteous. That word righteous, when you hear it, it means made right with God. They get to be made right with God, not by doing everything that the Jews had been doing for generations, but by faith. You can, you can experience the tension that they might be feeling. This is... Not just like, oh no, you're, that's not how it works anymore. It's, no, this is generations of ways of living. This is ingrained culture for a people. You live like this. You do these things. You make these sacrifices. You show up at these festivals. This is how you are made right with God. Messiah comes, blows their box, and all of a sudden you're made right by faith. And it stops. What we want to do is we want it to continue. And that's what's happening right there in this story is the Galatians are encountering these Jewish believers. And here's the other tension the Jewish believers are feeling. The Jewish believers are no longer outnumbering the non-Jewish believers. They're actually now outnumbered. There are more non-Jewish believers at this point than there are Jewish believers. Now that's a praise God hallelujah because I'm not Jewish. And so for me, that's, a, that's a, a glorious moment. But for them, that's just the tension that they're feeling in this. That's the tension that they're feeling of why they feel the need for it to be faith and. It's not just one or the other. Essentially, the Jews have showed up to the church in Galatians and said, It's not just about what you believe, it's about what you do. In order to be right, you have to do right. So Paul asked them the question, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? What relationship actually made you right with God? What relationship actually met the need that you had. Why am I giving you a history lesson? Because their history is our reality. We have a need. Whether you've confessed to follow Jesus before or not, you have a need. You have a need to be made right with God. You have a need to to live in the promises of God, to live in the full inheritance of what he has for you. That's the need. That's the cry of every human heart. But we can't get there on our own. So we have to establish a relationship that's gonna get us there. So what relationship are we going to establish? Romans 3 says, this righteousness, this right relationship with God is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew or Gentile, for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. Everybody, everybody in here, everybody watching online, we all have the same need. 
Ultimately, it's the same need. I need to be made right with God. You may not frame it as that. That's your need. You can put your spin on it. You can put your language on it. That's your need. I need to be made right with God. And so I'm going to establish a relationship with someone or something that is going to help me feel right with God. And what Paul is trying to tell us is there's one way to do that. There's not more than one way to do that. There's one way to do that. There's only one. And it's not the law. It's not the law. It's by faith alone. But we tend to lean towards the law. You might be in your head disagreeing with me right now because you're like, hold up. I don't follow the law. I couldn't even name four of the Ten Commandments. There's no way I'm following all that law. There's 400 plus laws in the, book of Mo- uh, uh, in the law of Moses. There's no way I'm doing it. You know what? You're right. You're probably not following the law of Moses, but you got your own law. You got your own thing that you do. I guarantee you got your own thing that you do. See, here's how it works. We get stuck in a loop. It's the loop of the law. We all get stuck in this loop of the law. See, what happens is I feel something. I feel that need. Something triggers it. Maybe I look around and raise worshiping better than I am. And all of a sudden, I feel like I need to do something different. Maybe I have a conversation with Chris Padgett and I realize that he's just a better human than I am. And all of a sudden, I realize, ooh, I'm not as great as I think I am. My need gets triggered. And so you know what we go to? You know what I could do? You know what I could do? And we start to walk our little loop. And I'm like, you know what? I can do this. You know, my marriage is kind of messy right now. You know, my finances are, are, aren't where I'd like them to be. You know, my career, I'm, I'm waiting for that breakthrough. You know what I'm going to do? I, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to church more. I'm here about you. Maybe, I'm here probably once a month, but you know what? I'm going to go every week. That's it. That's it. That'll be my thing. I'm going to get here every week. That'll get me right. And we start doing it. We start looping in our little law. We start doing our little thing until we don't. Until we miss a week. Until we make a mistake. Until we feel guilty because we knew we messed up. And when we feel guilty, we don't just feel guilty it leads to something. It always leads to something. See, we can't just do right all the time to be made right with God. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Listen to verse 10. It says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. So we are over here, we're doing our thing. I'm feeling good about myself. I make a mistake and all of a sudden I realize, oh, I can't do it. Man, I messed up. That guilt all of a sudden turns to shame. And it's no longer I messed up, it's I am a mess up. It's no longer that I screwed up, I am a screw up. And the loop continues. 
And we think, oh, I'm feeling all the need. I'm, I'm feeling off and I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like a failure. You know, and I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get up every morning and I'm going to read my Bible for, for 20 minutes every morning. I'm going to do that every day. I'm going to do that every day, every day. And then until I don't. And then I'm here and I feel guilty and I missed a day and man, I'm a failure. Man, I'm not just, I didn't just fail. I am a failure and then I, I feel this need over here and, and, I, and I start to do something again and I just keep on looping and looping and looping thinking that I'm going somewhere but I'm actually not going anywhere. The loop of the law never actually gets me closer to God. It actually keeps me walking away from God. It keeps me on the move, sure. And I might feel good about myself for a moment while I'm moving, but I'm just looping. I'm not actually going anywhere. I'm not actually stepping into the promises of God. I'm not actually knowing him more. I'm just looping. I'm just looping in a circle, getting nowhere, doing nothing. See, the law our law, they're not always bad things. Usually they're good things. You know, the law was given by God to Moses. It wasn't meant to be a final solution. It was just meant to be a temporary solution. It was meant to be a temporary solution until Jesus could come and fulfill the law so that we wouldn't have to do all those things in order to be made right with God. Verse 11 says, clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God. Why? Because the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. See, we tend to think that doing right will help us be right. That, that that's what it comes down to. That's what all of this is about, right? That's why the law was there. See, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's our history. That's our, that's our heritage. That's the family of God, right? Do right, be right? No, wrong. The heritage of the family of God is I'm righteous by faith, not by my works. Verse six explains it. So Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteous, righteousness. Understand then that those who live by faith are children of Abraham. The family heritage of every believer is that we're righteous by faith. Abraham is known as the father of faith. So everybody who says, yes, I'm following in the ways of God, says we're descendants of Abraham. That was the original promise that God gave Abraham. I'll give you a son and he will actually end up birthing a nation that will end up blessing all people. That's, Jesus comes from that line. There you go. The promise of God fulfilled. We all come from that line. Our family heritage is one of Abraham. Abraham was not known as someone who was made righteous by what he did. He was made righteous by what he believed. The law didn't even exist until 430 years after, after Abraham died. How can you be made right by something that didn't exist? You can't. Hear me. The things that we do aren't wrong things. They're, they're often good things. They just don't improve your standing with God. I don't care how good they are. 
I don't care how good they make you feel. You cannot earn and deserve your way into the goodness and righteousness of God. There is nothing you can do. There's no good deed. I don't care how many times you show up to church. I don't, know how, I don't care how many events you show up at. I don't care how many hours you pray. None of it's gonna make you more righteous before God. And that's pushing some of your buttons this morning. I know because I've sat in your seat before and I've heard it and I've felt it and been like, ooh, don't give people that license. But really, what you believe, the profession of your faith in Jesus is what makes you right with God. Nothing else. There's nothing else you can do. You put your faith in Jesus, you're good. Period. You cannot be made more righteous. I don't care what you do, how many good acts that you have. It doesn't make you more righteous to God. You cannot earn your way into his righteousness. I believe and I receive. I cannot earn and deserve. I cannot earn and deserve. I believe and I receive. That's how the kingdom of God works. When I believe right, I can live free of sin. It's a powerful statement. When I believe right, when I believe in who Jesus is in my life, I can live free of sin. When I believe, I can see miracles happen. When I believe, I can see breakthrough begin to happen in my life and the lives of people around me. It is not about what I can do to make those things happen. It is how I believe. Faith is a posture that we take. Faith is a posture that we take that will often lead us to action. But it is not the action that we take that does anything. It is the faith that we're postured in that leads to it. Abraham was considered righteous by faith, not by his works, not by what he did. It's not, it didn't matter how he lived. It was his righteousness is made by faith. See, Abraham did some great things. He also did some terrible things. I mean, you read Hebrews 11 and the people that are rattled off Listen to what Hebrews 11, one through two says. It says, now faith is confidence of what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. It goes on to rattle off a bunch of the ancients. Abel, Noah, Enoch, Abraham, Moses, David, Samson. As I rattle off some of those names, you're probably thinking, hold up. I know what some of those people did. If any of those people lived today, they'd have been canceled long ago. No joke. Think about it. Think about what Abraham did. At one point, Abraham showed up in a new town and his wife was so hot that he was afraid that people were going to try to kill him and take his wife. So he lied and said, it's my sister. And they did take his wife. 
That gets a guy canceled today, as it should. <laughs> you know, Abraham, at another point, after God had given him a promise, he went and slept with a slave, had a son. Then he had a son by his wife, and he banished the slave and the son. If Abraham's made right by what he did, ooh, so maybe you're not made right by what you do. If that guy's considered righteous by the what he believes, then maybe you can let the stuff of your past wash off you today. Maybe you can walk out of here today and say, you know what, I believe God, that you've made me right, not by what I've done, but by the confession that I'm making today. By what I declare, I'm believing that you're making me right. I'm believing that I'm being made new. I'm believing that I'm being transformed. I'm believing that the promises of God are coming true for my life, and I'm stepping into the fullness of the inheritance of living as a son or a daughter of God. I'm stepping into that today, not by my choices, but by my faith. I declare today, that that's what you're doing in my life. I want to tell you a story to, to start to close, start to close. It's my first close. You know, it was probably about 15 years ago. Um, I was on a business trip in Omaha, Nebraska. And I'd finished the work day had gone to the hotel gym and was on that treadmill. And I was trying to run and, you know, but it wasn't just me that was running, it was my mind that was running too. I was looping hard in my mind. I kept thinking about all the things that if I could just change this, if I could just stop this, if I could just be more of this, then then God, you'd really love me. Then I'd, I'd really, you'd really be proud of me. Then I might really do something for you. And I, as I was running and those thoughts kept running, I kept increasing the speed on that treadmill, going nowhere. I kept increasing that speed of those thoughts in my mind, going nowhere. Just kept running harder and harder and harder. That's how some of you feel today. You've been running hard in that circle. You've been running hard in that loop, getting nowhere. In that moment, I felt like God spoke to my heart. It wasn't some audible voice, but I felt like he spoke to my heart and he just said, stop, stop. So God speaks to me sometimes, it's what I need. And so I stopped. I stopped the treadmill. stopped my thoughts and God just said in my heart I love you and I kind of rolled my eyes okay thanks God he said no I want you to say it out loud I believe that you love me and I felt silly I'm in a hotel gym and I said, okay at least I'm alone And I said, I believe that you love me. And I collapsed. 
not out of exhaustion, because the, the love of God overwhelmed me in that moment. And I fell at the foot of that treadmill in tears, thankful that no one walked in, wondering what was happening, but I encountered the love of God. I encountered a breakthrough moment, not because I kept trying harder, but because I did what the Bible said to do. The Bible says if we will confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts who Jesus is, that we'll be saved, we'll be set free, we'll step into the promises of God. Today, you can experience a breakthrough moment. If you've been looping, you can get out of that loop today. Believe and receive. Believe and receive. Confess with your mouth. Do what the Bible said to do. Confess with my mouth. I believe this is who you are. I believe this is what you've done for me and receive. Whether you've done it before or you've, you've never done it before, whether you've confessed your faith in Jesus before or you've never confessed your faith in Jesus before, today let's stop the circle. Let's stop the loop. Let's stop walking in circles and let's step into the fullness that God wants us to step into. In fact, I want us to take a few minutes. I want us to do that right now. I want you to stand to your feet. And I'm actually going to read something out that's not new. It's actually ancient. It's a statement of belief. It's called the Apostles' Creed. And I'm just going to read it. And I want to encourage you that after I read this, whether you've put your faith in Jesus before or you've never done it, but today you're saying, man, I, wanna, I need to get off this loop. I need to get out and I need to, I, I want to stop trying to be, be made right by what I do but I want to believe right in order to be made right, then I want to encourage you after I finish reading this, just, yes, out loud, declare, I believe. But I'm going to read it over us. I'm going to read this statement of belief. I'm going to read what is true about God. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and of the life everlasting. Amen. And declare, I believe, I believe, I believe.